welcome back to Desperation Point, a Grim and Perilous Studios actual play starring the um, usual suspects. Um, Adam, Kay, Nick, Mike, myself, um, and um, my puppy somewhere. I heard her barking somewhere. <laughs> she wants attention, constant attention. Um, yeah. We're on session five, not episode five, but session five, because then it feels performative. We're not doing video on these. Um, just as a reminder for our listeners, this is strictly a thing we're doing in times of COVID. We'll be uh, resuming Queen of Embers at some point. We're not in any rush to do it. For now, we're doing some fun stuff here. We're using some rules from Project 1776, or actually, I think I can say it now because by the time this comes out, the Kickstarter landing page will be live. We're using rules from Flames of Freedom in our, in, yeah. in our, in our Zweihander game. Yeah. Um, it feels good to actually be saying that now, even though we're recording this. Like I guess I can retire the sign. That's right. I saw the sign. It opened up it, my it opened eyes. It opened up your eyes? Good. I saw the sign. Yes. Hashtag 1776. God damn it. <laughs> so, now that we're in this direction, though, yeah. don't turn around. Uh-oh. Just walk away. Oh, I was thinking uh, the don't turn around. Uh-oh. I was doing the other Ace of Base song that was on the radio. Oh, there, yeah. I own an Ace of Base tape. In fact, my Ace of Base tape was my base tape in my car. I turn the reels backwards and play it really loud on my car when I was 17 because I thought I was cool as shit. Um, I had a Ford probe that was called the bass probe because um, he had like these big ass stupid speakers in the back. And we, we turned tapes around. We played Arrested Development uh, backwards on tape, Ace of Bass backwards on tape, um, um, Predator, the Ice Cube album. Uh, it would just play it just to play because it it's a fucking great album. But um, yeah, so songs. That's what you come here for. Everybody's come here to learn about the songs we're going to sing or reference during the game. Uh, that's, that's us. That's Grim Parallel Studios. That's the kind of games we run every Wednesday. Um, it's mostly song references or us singing terribly or um, annoying K with our puns. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. It's, I, I, you know, it's funny. When Nick started playing, started gaming with us, I thought I was really punny, and then Nick is like the king of puns and then mike became super punny and now i think the three of us constantly feed off one another um i think most of nick's and my, nick and i are mostly dad jokes and and mike's like deep puns deep references um <clears throat> sorry adam you're not part of this gang uh there's a sub click within our click um but yeah our, before we set out to play we always say how many puns can we lock down before k logs off Actually, that's not true. She never walks off. She, she, she's very kind. And um, you know, I'm kind of glad my husband didn't end up joining us because, to be honest, he puts all three of you to shame. Mm. <laughs> Been there, done that. Thanks. Ben, there. His, <laughs> his name is Ben. That for those of you that don't get the inside joke. No, I just see it as Adam actually values my sanity, and I appreciate. Oh. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Sometimes it's good to recognize true value. <laughs> God damn it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're finished. See y'all next week. Thank you. Um, so let's <laughs> let's so let's pick back up from where we left off from session four of um, 
of Desperation Point. And one thing we're going to change is some of our format. Listeners already know, and probably viewers of Queen of Embers also know, that we always do a pregame. We talk about what happened last game session, because typically we take a week between game sessions, because we're working adults, we have lives, we have families, et cetera, et cetera, and children in some cases. Um, But also, it's easy to forget what happened. Um, and it's a nice refresher. So we always do kind of a recap of last session told by one or two people. We're actually going to turn this into a pregame ritual that's rewarded with reward points. Um, this actually kind of harkens back to many years before we played Zvayinar and thinking about my D&D games. Um, this is before I was playing with any of you, in fact. Um, it was Tim Cloron, who's in our Queen of Embers game, with Walter Fulbright. And we played games. We do extra experience points for the recap. Um, I think making this a ritual that's rewarded will be fun. Uh, plus it gets everybody involved. So uh, we'll recap next week. And once we do the recap, everybody gets 50 reward points. And then of course we'll conclude the game with a post game, a postmortem of the game, a post, a post game postmortem, um, which reward also reward 50 reward points as opposed to talking about our flaws and beliefs and justifying the choices we made we're just going to talk about the game and how it may have changed our characters so um we'll first start with um the let's before sorry my apologies before we do the recap let's roll initiative because that's what we're supposed to do at the beginning of a flames of freedom where's my hinder game so i'm gonna roll initiative and i'll get this recorded up here on my, on my cool roll 20 turn order pop-up i've also already rolled uh, coins as well Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. So, oh gosh, you sure did. Um, so I see currently Osbert has an initiative 15. Uh, who's up? Who's got initiative roll next? Waiting for initiative, waiting, logging. Mm-hmm. Squiffles is typing. Um, Waiting for initiative for other people. Uh, so it looks like Keegan has a 17. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, Calvin's got a 10. Aw. And what about yeah. um, what about uh, Collinsworth? What's your initiative, Adam? Uh, 12. 12. Okay. Cool. And it looks like you also rolled your uh, chaos die to determine how many f- coins you start with. Um, let's do that after initiative from now on, uh, just so I don't confuse roles here. It's really hard to keep track of all the roles in roll 20. So it does look like I have one in my pool and you have, uh, one, two, three, four in your pool. So, um, with that, let's move to the recap. What happened last game session? Everybody died. That was what happened. It's not, it's not true actually, but <laughs> yep. um, new game, new game. See y'all later. We're doing desperation point two, electric boogaloo. Or elect or desperation point two die dark man die, or desperation point two die darker a, die darker a new batch desperationer uh, point desperationer <laughs> desperationist point is part three when we all die yeah that'll be the last one here. <laughs> so what happened last last game session maybe you want to start Nick where we left do you remember where we left off on that game session where we picked up you know you have to know that Mike. I got notes yeah. if you need. <laughs> yeah, I believe we were talking with uh, the Green John because uh, we were trying to figure out, okay, what's his what's his deal? He'd been letting us stay there for a week, mm-hmm. and we knew there had to be some sort of cost to it, you know, because nothing in the world is free. And so he talked about how there had been a murder 
um, and how he had wanted us to look into it. Who was, so the, that who way, was the murderer that you were looking after? I'm terrible with names. What was his I, name? Somebody else. I think his name was Flint. No, Flint was one of the other guys. Stan. 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 I got the. I remember part. that because of Dragon Age, which is funny. <laughs> oh, is, is he? Is that somebody in Dragon Age? Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Well, his name's Sten, regardless. Sten, regardless. Then he. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's the first one for the night. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, had been accused of because there's. Uh, murdering the stable master because there is a, uh, a hidden valley that um, ho- houses or horses houses a bunch of horses. Um, yeah, it's where they live. It's where they live. Um, <laughs> it's not exactly a ranch, so it's not a hidden valley ranch or anything like that. But it's where it's where they are. The wild so, horses roam. It's where the, yes. Who who is the Grawlster, the, the 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 horse master that was reputedly slain by Sten? You remember, old Franklin, old yeah. Franklin, yeah, all right, Franklin. The old Franklin, from the the story that the Green John tells us, um, was with a group of other men uh, from Old Grolstead and ran across this Sten and his group of uh, previous Grolsteders who had decided to kind of move out and start their on their own. Um, and went to that valley to wrangle some horses. Uh, words were exchanges, and so were some bullets. And um, old uh, Franklin ended up with his head bashed in and dead. So um, we were tasked with uh, kind of figuring out what happened, you know, bring Sten in, uh, kind of dead or alive, didn't really matter, because uh, really what the green John is looking for is some sort of justice he can give his people. So that way they can, um, kind of put an end to the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened in old girl said, because I seem to recall before you chased after Sten, you did a little bit of light investigation in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the fortified village. Oh, uh, Osbert and I did some light investigation into some cups. Yes, yes. yes. You found you found you found some answers at the bottom of your cups. Nobody, by the way, nobody ever finds answers at the bottom of their cup. Um, you just find a terrible headache the following day. That's don't do drugs, it. kids. Yeah, don't do those drugs. I think you find answers. We need we need some R and R. Okay. We don't rough don't week. drink and investigate. That's the rum and more rum. Is that what R and R means? Yeah. <laughs> So you so that so Collinsworth and Osborne go about Roman and rummaging, Roman rummaging, 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 rummaging. I know remedying their rest by drinking with rum, but Calvin and Keegan kind of broke off to speak to some of the locals, and you I believe you discovered a couple things because you found out who was with Old Man Franklin. In particular, there were two people, if you recall. There was, in fact, um, a man Seamus named... Seamus and Flint. That's right. Flint was... Obadah was... Uh, my apologies. Flint was old, old man Franklin's brother-in-law, an upright fellow, and Seamus, as we learn, was a... 
drunkard. Yeah, yeah. He was he was not he was not doing so well. What what happened? What happened? Well, they tried to speak with him with uh, Seamus, and he was pretty much just unresponsive. He just wanted everyone to drink with him, and um, he'd been in the state for quite some time because most of the townspeople were just telling him to shut the hell up uh, because he was just—he's one of those loud drunks that screams at everyone. <laughs> uh, so we, we eventually uh, uh, decided to speak with. Um, uh, Flint the next morning, mm-hmm. or at least, or at least uh, Calvin and Keegan did. Uh, yeah, Os- Osbert and Collinsworth were sleeping one off. That's right, <laughs> doing the important things. That's right. Yes. What What happened in that exchange, Keegan? Um. So, Seamus had been screaming about how it was his fault mm-hmm. um, repeatedly while they were in the tavern. So the next morning, um, when Calvin and Keegan went to talk to Flint, Flint kind of confirmed that. Uh, Seamus had been basically like berating and yelling and at Sten's people and giving them general shit um, when uh, apparently like a fog rolled in and he got knocked off of his horse and was pinned under his horse. And by the time he managed to get out from under the horse, um, all that he could see was that old Franklin had been knocked off of his horse and killed and that Seamus had been knocked out. Um, I believe like a cudgel to the head or something is what they thought. So he didn't know exactly what happened because he was too busy dealing with the horse. But um, basically that's what he thought is that Sten and his men had come over and killed Franklin because of Seamus talking shit. So... Um, that's about all that they could find out from there other than obviously like Franklin's widow was staying with them and, and such. And, uh, after they found out that information, they ended up going back to the tavern and collecting what was left of the rest of their party. Um, at least what Osbert and Collinsworth could manage to be that next morning. Uh, and we went to the valley. Yeah, you. From there, you headed to uh, a place called the Upland, where I'm looking at the map on Roll Twenty. It says Frank No, <laughs> and has a hobby horse along with a dead person's head. <laughs> I don't know who drew this, but we kind of need to share this out on Twitter because this map is fucking incredible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the best way to say it. It's really interesting. Um, Hard to fun. draw with a mouse. <laughs> drawing, yeah, drawing with a mouse. So uh, maybe we'll share that out on on um, social media. Any, anywho, <laughs> so uh, you set out on your investigation. You go to the upland. You head out that way on horses that you got from. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that you got from the Green John. He gave you horses, and you headed out, and you went out there. And it was a little bit of a snow blind. Like it was hard to hear anything. Like the acoustics were strange in the, in the upland. And you saw some dead frozen horses out in the waste. What happens from there, Collinsworth? I think you're muted. You are muted, Adam. <laughs> See, I thought I was muted and I thought I was unmuting myself. Um, we uh, go to investigate uh, these horses that have been killed but somehow or another um keegan hears 
that uh, someone basically setting an ambush for us. And so Keegan lets, lets us know about it. And uh, we get in a tense standoff with them. And uh, so Osbert thought it would be a good idea to make sure that we don't give off the impression that we're with the Green John um, because he thought that, uh, uh, you know, they may have been killing Green John's men. So we're like, yeah, we stole these horses that are the Green John's horses. And the rest of us are like, what? <laughs> and uh, because the ruse was up, he decided to um, rush them. And also the name of a great Nintendo game from 1980. He decided blah, blah. to rush an rush attack. An attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mildly and, racist, I think, through the modern lens, but yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, never mind. Uh, so the, uh, um, they shot him, uh, and luck was definitely with him as he went through his clothing. And he was told, though, that he'd be plugged. Uh, if he were to try that again, we talked and found out from their point of view, uh, it was actually the nameless that did the deed. Who is the nameless? We know they have no name, but what do we know about the nameless so far in the story? They ride, they ride elks with saddles. What else? They, they carry make guns. They carry guns. Uh, they generally stay to the Rukenval which is a forest to the south. Uh, so it's kind of odd to see them so far north. Um, they travel in groups and they collect their dead. Yeah, yeah generally they leave the dead behind because <clears throat> the, they're known to have uh, like birds follow around you know, in their wake. So um, yeah, they're a very mysterious and very hostile group from what I understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you negotiate with Sten and his people um, and come to some sort of accord. What was that accord? Maybe it's told best from Adam because he's the one who struck it. Uh, yeah, so all the horses were uh, brutally murdered except for one. And it was the painted horse that... Uh, um, it's in the Happy Valley, and you can only find it within the Happy Valley uh, when the, what's it called, is visible. Um, the Aurora. The Aurora, <laughs> yeah, uh, is visible. And uh, so we got to wait two weeks and go get that because I said uh, um, that I, I could uh, catch that horse and I can't remember exactly why I said that. And I think it was... Try to make allies, I think. I yeah, know. you're trying to, I think, make allies more or less for us at Stonehold. At Stonehold, that's for, right. Less for the Green John. Like, this is yes. what we at the Stonehold could do for you. Yeah, um, because we we don't want to be beholden to one person. Not, not necessarily that we're, like, going to turn on the Green John, but... Uh, it's best to not have all our eggs in one basket because if we do, then the Green John can pretty much do whatever he wants with us. 
Or all your torque to lords in one old Carlstead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you return to the Green John and you relay this story. And oh, I didn't. Story being that. We, what was we, that? What was that again, Kay? I didn't think we returned because we were going to head to uh, our did. lovely statuesque Dick of Winter to try to find that body. Oh, that's later. Never mind. Yeah. I'm skipping parts. We'll get to the Dick of Winter, okay? Okay. I, you know, <laughs> it's just so in the middle of that map, okay? It is. It's the first thing we drew on the map was literally the Dick of Winter. And I believe it was named by Nick. <laughs> yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you return to the Green John and relay the story. Like, like it was clearly a case of misunderstanding. Uh, old Franklin was not killed by these exiles. That He was right. killed by a gunshot from the Nameless. And then Sten and them shot one of the Nameless and they fled, and the, the Nameless fled on their elk back southeast which you have essentially traced back to the Dick of Winter four sessions ago uh, where you had first seen the, the, the dead nameless. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say it once again to our listeners, none of this is planned. I have written nothing. I have written no story strokes, nothing at all. This is completely off the cuff. We're playing a true sandbox story. So you find out, now that'd be all that, you know, that, that sidebar, of that aside, um, you find out that the dead, the nameless who's there must be the body in the green. John then says, bring it back so we can prove it to the people because they're not going to take you. They're not going to take your story at face value because of what happened with Stin and there is exile. So I believe at this point you were preparing, or at least you just returned. I believe that night you got there by nightfall. We'll assume. So you're probably at the end this evening, after talking with the Green John, you meet back with Phineas and Tuck and Aaron and Aaron, and you tell them the whole story. They're like, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, all right, okay. And Phineas, uh, of course, is there with um, Dr. James, um, excuse me, uh, oh, James Coventry, uh, who is now here in Old Girl, with you, obviously. Um, and Phineas simply says, that is a rather there's a fascinating story. In fact, we had seen but a week ago one of these elk riders near the dick, he says. Almost <laughs> now that he calls it the dick, like he's he's adopted the same the name that you call it. like it's almost like it's like it's like the town down the road, Kansas City, just says, you know, just by the dick. Like he it's like now part of like the world. So um yeah, we we had seen an elk rider just outside the dick and we had we had we had kept our distance for we were still it chasing abigail and we knew the nameless were dangerous to be so far north of the of the rushwood well that can only spell danger so we simply stayed away interesting phineas says as he strokes his spade shaped beard which he's freshly shaved save for his van dyke beard van dyke if you've ever seen those old hollywoodian beards where they cut off like at the ear that's kind of the, it's the same. It's like the Ivan Ho, Robin Hood, <laughs> old timey beard you find in movies. He's got the, he's got that. Um, a fascinating story. So are you going to do it? Are you going to go back to the dick? Oh. Yeah. We're, we're planning on it tomorrow morning. I'm uh, sad that we have no other choice now. 
I do believe that um, the apothecary is interested in us bringing this body back as well and finding what we can as he has an interest in the nameless. Hmm. So, Mr. Irving, Phineas says, you simply uh, know him as Obadiah or Obi. Yeah, Obadiah. Interesting, he says. When you when you saw this nameless, it I I, tr- I try to relay him the best of my knowledge where we found this specifically the body and try to compare it to based on where he found it. Because um, I'm trying to like get a sense of what happened specifically in case we come back and the body's not there. Mm-hmm. Well, let me spin you a tale. And he stands up at the table. And you've learned by now that Phineas is a little bit of a fish storyteller. So what proceeds in this story, you're not sure is truth or par- it's probably partial fabrication. But he stands us on orates and he says... Now getting close to the mic. It was nightfall. We had been traveling for nearly three days and three nights. We were down to the last of our provisions. Tuck had tripped and twisted his ankle, so we're moving at a snail's pace. We had no horses, for we had slain them no more than two weeks before when we were in the upland, struggling to survive. In the dead of night, it was open sky, the moon was full, the snows had fallen, everything was covered in a silver and blue pallor, and as we were wandering the road toward Dunmodra, we saw it. At first we heard this clumping, this sound of something moving amid the hills, but didn't quite know what it was. We had found refuge beneath some rocks that evening built our fire and not yet built our fire and that's when we saw it the great shadow of this elk's antlers stretching over the campsite and when we turned about keeping our voices hushed looking toward the sky upon the precipice of the rock was this mighty elk with its hot wet breath breathing down over all of us and mounted atop it was this person born in vicious looking furs and fangs in their hand they held this wicked looking spear that smoldered like hell itself we had seen blood dripping from the elk and from the person on elk back we knew then it was the nameless we snuck into the cave and we came back the next morning they were gone this was close to this place that you call the dick. And he will mark your map. I'm going to put a Doppler up on the, uh, on the, um, <clears throat> on the map here. If you, uh, K, you want to draw like a little cave. Let's put Phineas's cave. And that's was, what we had seen. It was, it, it seems he didn't have much, they didn't have much longer for this world after you saw them then because it wasn't too far from there to the to the body of the elk know this those who see the nameless often do not live to tell the tale they are a ruthless people and although they traffic in the rushwood 
and they stay away from the main roads, they are incredibly dangerous. I think, I want to think that the martyrs spared us that night. I want to think that the deeds we had done, that the steward had decided to let us live this much longer. But the learner also tells us that we must all pay our debts at some point. I suspect this is not the last time we will see the nameless. Did you find it odd that they were alone? Wonder what brought them there. He shakes his head. I cannot say. Hmm. But the elk was as mighty and as tall as the tallest man you can imagine. Soaring like an oak. Seven feet at its shoulder. Its antlers easily nine feet wide. You think it might have recently killed someone? Uh, Didn't you say there was something about blood? Twas bleeding, but there was no meat slung over its backside. It had not been out hunting. Certainly matches up with the trajectory from the uplands. Between the uplands and the dick is the cave where you stayed. And there you saw the nameless bleeding. Not long after, down, down the road, the body. We'd Interesting. Seen, we'd seen no body, but... Yes, but, you know, I'm just piecing together the, the story based on all the accounts. Uh, based, based, on what, uh, based on what the bandits had set up there and what we had seen and what you had seen, we can kind of piece together. It's the Nameless's journey set to the southeast through the countryside until his fin- finally untimely death. Or her, I couldn't. We can't say which, but we can see what we can. We can somewhat surmise what happened. Indeed, if you are to strike out back toward the Dick of Winter, I shall ride with you. We've no horses, he says, and Tuck. Well, he's too big for any of the horses they breed here. A storm horse would be different, but uh, nay. I shall ride with you if you would have me. Certainly. If only to sate my curiosity and to see this to see this story come to its end. If the body is still there, it, it clutches a it cl- clutches a firearm as well. You're welcome to it. None of us wanted it at the time. Mm. Interesting, he says. This I'd like to learn more about. Well, be sure to get good rest tonight. We plan on leaving at first light. Indeed. Well then, until tomorrow, he takes a short bow and will retire upstairs, leaving the four of you near the low crackling of the fire in the hearth here in the inn. It's nearly the witching hour and you are growing tired. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you wish to do before the evening closes? Mm -hmm. No. Nope. Keegan? The night night passes and you all awaken to unhindered. A little chilly in the room in the morning. It still kind of feels like a winter morning. Uh, The fire has died down in your private room. The coals are just gray ash. Um, You get a bit of water and uh, a bit of a rush and begin to brush your teeth with ash. 
as you oftentimes do. And this is an interesting side, side note. Um, so ash was used as toothpaste because it's, inc- I didn't realize this, it's incredibly acidic. I had no idea. Um, I was Very watching this. Too. Yeah, I was watching this YouTube video about it that talks about how acidic it is, and when you add water to ash, that it, you can't leave it on your teeth too long; it'll burn your gums. Hmm. I had no idea, but they're talking as random video anyway, because they, they use like a they use like a, a they use a certain type of weed that phrase at the end, and they use it to scrub their teeth. Had no clue. Anyway, total aside, um, you brush your teeth in the morning. Uh, <laughs> you went, rinse your faces in the basins and you head downstairs where you find Phineas already ready. He's already prepared the horses. He's already has your things pulled together. He has enough provisions to get, you have enough provisions at this point to at least reach Dunmodra two days away and then another day to the deck of winter. So you'll have a three-day journey ahead of you. Um, Knowing that you're going to have a journey ahead of you, we're not going to fast travel this. We're actually going to do the journey mechanics um, like we do. So um, before you strike out, we need to determine what roles that you will play during this journey. So the first is the trailblazer. And as a reminder, this is the guide. You use the position of stars, maps, and telltale signs of other travelers to lead the way. Uh, That focuses on folklore and navigation. Who wants to be our trailblazer? Unless someone else would like to, I've got folklore. So Keegan, okay. Uh, and then yeah. who's going to be our quartermaster? You're going to manage foodstuffs, track wildlife if you need to. You're going to set up the watch, build the fires. I believe I usually volunteer for that, so I'll do so again. And I usually assist. That's right. So we'll do Calvin. <laughs> the Super Reading Brothers. That's right, with the Collinsworth assist. Uh, and then that leaves our final role, which is the scout. So trek ahead, look for danger, set the watch cycle. And that will be Osbert. Osbert, okay. So one thing to note, um, you can take multiple roles, uh, but your chances get progressively worse. Right. So um, just a, a heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are provisioned, Okay, this is good uh, because whenever you are properly provisioned, um, everybody needs to add uh, six encumbrance because you'll have six days of provisions. Um, otherwise, you, could, you, you, have, you have two, let me, let me, actually, before you do that, let me explain what this means. So if you're provisioned during this segment, this segment of the journey, you get an assist die to your endure checks. If you hunt, you don't gain any benefits. So if you wish to take provisions, you can. You get a benefit for doing it. Remember, provisions are basically a day's worth of beans, bread, a candle, cider, meat, milk, oats, rice, salted meat, and soap. So it's more than just like, it's not rations. It's like literal provisions, like a soldier's provision. So mm-hmm. raise your hand if you want to take provisions. Okay. Uh, so everybody, okay, it's cool. So it's going to be three days there and three days back. Do you want to take six days of provisions? We have horses, right? You do, yes. Do those have saddlebags on them to be able to carry the provisions? Sure, yeah, we can do that. That makes sense. And I will take all six. Sure. I can't carry that. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't. Um, cool. So with that being said, we're going to now, this is going to be a short, a short stretch to reach 
Dunmodra or Stonehold, as you know it as. Um, Trailblazer, uh, you need to make a challenging folklore or navigation test. This will determine how many days of proficiency or how, what the terrain is like along the way. And just let me know the result if you would, please. Because I'm not paying attention to roll 20. So our Keegan needs to make that test, which is a challenging folklore or navigation. And the rolling is nigh, maybe. This is why I don't like playing with roll 20 sometimes. Um, oof, 97. <laughs> Do you want to keep that? You can. I mean, I have a 54. Screw it. We'll uh, re-roll well. Okay. Yeah. So somebody modify the uh, fortune pool. So and I have two and you have three. I will. Need that for us. Yeah. Oh, you still missed it. Oh, no. Um, okay, so one thing along the way you're going to encounter is that the route that Keegan has chosen is a little rougher. So because uh, he failed, you didn't crit fail, did you? No. Okay. Because, because he failed, the terrain grows worse by one step. So now all tests are hard. Oof. So um, we're in a short stretch. Everyone needs to make a hard toughness or survival test. Great success. Nice. Zero one. Wow. Um, it's incredible. Anybody fail? Collinsworth? I did. Alvin? Oh. Ooh, yeah. Did you fail? I need guys, I'm I'm not I'm really no. not paying attention to roll, so I need you to let me know what your results are. Uh, failure. Okay. Success. Okay. Calvin? Failed, right? Yes, failed. Okay, so um, Osbert, uh, remember, if you crit succeed, uh, not only you can share your comfort with some other character who failed, so who will succeed along with you? Will be Calvin uh, let's make it Collinsworth since he drank with me the other night. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Calvin. Um, so Osbert and Cal- Collinsworth will share some stories on the road. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that leaves Calvin. Um, Calvin! Uh, to suffer some peril and uh, you suffer six physical peril uh, mm. during the journey. Um, now we are to our next test for our quartermaster. So remember, you're keeping the footsteps, you're enduring everyone's well-rested along the path, et cetera, et cetera. If you have to, you'll make camp, do some hunting. But other than that, um, the quartermaster needs to make a hard heal or survival test. And I believe right. you've got an assist on that. So Collinsworth, mm-hmm. you want to roll your assist die on top of that. And then just let me know the results. So far, I've currently failed, and I still fail. Oh, so, you want to re-roll that, or you're going to keep it? Um, I'm going to – we'll just keep it. I mean, I don't think – yeah, we got like a 36% chance, so we'll keep uh, it. Are you sure about that? I mean, you don't get to re-roll your assist dice, do you? No. No, then yeah. Or no, yeah, you would. Absolutely, you would. Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? Sure, let's re-roll then. Cool. All right, go ahead and re-roll that beautiful bean footage. Oh, just missed and still missed. Okay, so uh, bad news. Um, Because you're kind of going a bit off trail and you all just aren't keeping camp well, um, 
what ends up happening is you actually end up burning more provisions than you thought. So because this is a two day trip to um, Stonehold, you actually burn four days of provisions by the time you arrive, which is not so good. But that leaves you finally to your, for the scout to make their test. You're still, you're still trekking down the roads and setting the watch. You don't tarry too long. You know, you've got a lot of ground to cover. So, uh, the end of the journey, essentially, um, we need our um, scout to make a hard awareness or stealth test. It's up to you. That's another failure. Oh, come on. It may be the end of the journey, but don't stop believing. All right. Reroll. Still failure. <laughs> so I think, I don't know what our pool is at, but I think you're out, aren't you? Who's maintained? I used one. Rolled and not out. We still have one left. Oh, yeah, we're down to our last. Someone, please update the pool. Yeah, I got it. I got cool, it. Thanks. Oh no! Well, uh, because you failed this too, it makes uh, it. <laughs> you keep watch marginally well, but the threat level increases because you're being loud um, along the <laughs> the way. The good thing is it's only a short trek. Um, keep in mind, if anytime anybody reaches incapacitated, you do need to make camp. I don't think anybody is incapacitated by any means. Um, but um, we need to now uh, roll for a random encounter. And this originally was uh, mildly dangerous, but because the scout failed, it's now moderately dangerous. So we need our scout to roll 2d6. He lands on a phase six. Something's going to happen. Let's see what happens here. Oh, a six. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. Of course. I'm rolling here, okay? That's just the way That's the way it goes. Roll 20 once I'm dead. Yeah, you know, thanks, roll 20. WTF, mate. Um, roll percentiles. Let me know the result. Seven. Ooh, okay. Well, along the way, you get off track somewhere. You're not really sure where it's at. Um, but you kind of are heading off the way, and you discover, let's say, a little bit south, halfway to Dunmodra, if you want to mark this, you discover what looks like a research site. And But what I mean by that is you can see these old tents that are kind of flapping in the wind. The, granted, most of the snow has melted at this point. So this is kind of like near these, these rough-looking rocks. And there's these great old oak trees, like very, very, very old oak trees in this rugged-looking valley. And it appears to be you're just on the edges of an old, an old camp, but there's clearly nobody here. No fires are lit. Everything's in a state of disarray. But you can see all these tents surrounding this huge hole in the ground, um, like massive hole, like a divot in the ground that recedes down. Do you want to skirt around the camp or do you want to go a little closer and investigate? Well, at this point, our stores are pretty low. Our, our provisions are low. So I'm hoping that we can have some sort of windfall here. So I think uh, my vote is to investigate. 
I'm curious. I'll follow your lead. You know, I'm not making up my own decision. Come on now. <laughs> Keegan shrugs. I'll do whatever you want. Um, sure. So, sure. Uh, I think uh, I think of that vulture from Looney Tunes. Not, yeah, from my mama had told me to get something for dinner. You remember this vulture thing from Looney Tunes? It's a very, very old Looney Tunes cartoon from the 30s. It's like this really dopey vulture. I was just thinking of that whenever you said that, uh, Keegan. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I associate that that bird with somebody, but has nothing to do with you, I promise. Um, <laughs> not negative. Uh, so, well, you begin to, you, you get off your horses and, have to, and basically lead them toward this campsite. And um, as you're heading in closer, you can see uh, pots and pans have been discarded. There's these big wooden buckets full of earth. Um, there is this natural running stream of water that has been diverted down here. It almost looks like a mining camp where you see like those, they build those wooden troughs to get water to come through. So water is coming to a slow trickle in here. Now that most of the snows are melting and such um, from the long winter here in the north. So cold, mind you, but it is spring. But the water's at a slow trickle as most of the water's frozen in this like great big long 200 yard zigzagging looking water trough that's coming down from a nearby spring. And you see where it spills into and as you come toward the edge of this hole, and this hole must be, call it 25 yards in diameter, you're absolutely astonished to find half in the muck in the mud down below is this massive, massive rib cage, huge rib cage, easily the length of a longhouse, half buried in the muck. And as your eyes trace along it, you can see this large winding tail that's been half unearthed. As you can see these brooms and brushes all along the bones, as clear they've been, this is an excavation site. And there's nobody here, and there's no food to be found. But at the bottom of this pit, there's this, they've seemed to have unearthed the skeleton of some massive reptilian creature. So this is a long, long dead creature. Oh, yeah. As far as I can tell. Okay. From here, at it wasn't, least. It wasn't like on closer inspection if it looks new, like a freshly killed thing. You want to go down and investigate? Yeah, I want to see that dragon skeleton. <laughs> so to get down the escarpment that leads down to the excavation site, it is rather slick. Um, with the with the with the ice kind of becoming unfrozen, everything melting, it's a very muddy trek down there, and it's precariously dangerous. You notice that a lot of the wooden planks that were kind of basically placed in the muck and the mud um, have mostly washed down. Um, the hill. So all of you need to make challenging uh, coordination tests <clears throat> to see what happens. A fail forward test. If you succeed, nothing happens. If you fail, you suffer peril. If you critically fail, you slip and fall. Fail. No. Oh. Success. Oh. <laughs> you roll a zero one, and now you roll a ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hey, Calvin made it. <laughs> yep. Keegan. Got it. Awesome. So, 
who f- just normal failed. That's Collins. Right here. Right. So Collinsworth, as you're coming down the hill, um, you lose you lose footing uh, as you slip and slide down, and you suffer ten physical peril. <laughs> Okay. Oh, look, I rolled a nine plus one. Uh, now, in the case of Osbert, not only does Osbert go tumbling down, suffering 10 physical peril, Osbert also suffers falling damage. Oof. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's about five yards down, as Osbert also suffers 12 damage. As Osbert falls and bounces and bounds and rolls, falling face first in the muck with a bloody nose. What's your current (laughs) damage condition, Jack? Osbert is lightly wounded, and honestly, this is probably the result of him showing off. Um, (laughs) Like, he always seems to be very light on his feet feet and jokes about falling all the time this time it actually happened he had it coming <laughs> to him for quite a while actually making fun of other people falling and stuff so a um, little bit of egg on his face but uh i think everyone kind of uh gets a laugh at his expense mm. yeah phineas is kind of standing beside calvin and he points at osbert and says see what i mean as he begins to slowly walk down the hill with calvin <laughs> as they kind of descend along with Keegan, without without being hurt or injured. Um, clumsy, if you've seen that scene in Deadwood, whenever Bullock like tries to drown that man in that pool of water in the, thor- the thoroughfare, <laughs> yeah. and he comes out and he's just covered in muck and mud, that's kind of what Clumsy looks like, but it's mixed with a mouthful of blood um, and a busted nose as Osbert comes to his feet. Phineas will pull you up, kind of, Slap he as he kind of moves his hand down, getting the mud off of it. Because how slack. I I totally meant to do that. An obvious lie. You you <laughs> fell down, Osbert. Here, let me help yes. you up. He pulls you. Yes, uh, yes, as I always do. You can fear. You feel this like twinge of pain in your spine. I think when you fall on your butt too hard, you're like, oh mm-hmm. my butt bone. Your, or your oh, what's that little bone? The coccyx <laughs> here. Your coccyx hurts. Yeah. <laughs> He's ever coccyx hurt. Um, Holding my ass and like oh, walking like bow-legged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you're down here, um, at least, and what you discover is, yes, I mean, not only did it look large from up there, but now you're down here. You can see the ribcage. It's been unearthed with, with spades and shovels and brooms and brushes. Um, it is about the height of a horse. Um, it's, it's half, and it's half buried in the muck and the mud. There's no skin on it. This thing's been dead a very, very long time. In fact, the bones have ossified. Um, they are partially made of stone. Um, and you can kind of, you basically walk this very, this this broad path where clearly when they were trying to unearth this thing, you can see buckets and, hit and mountains of muck behind it. But they've been clearly working at this for some time, but there's no, there's, there's no, um, no sign of what happened to the researchers whatsoever. No sign of anybody here. Just this down in this wet, cold hole is the remnants of this old reptilian beast. I mean, is the best way to describe it. it. It does seem to almost be like the remnants of a dragon, um, or what you would imagine a dragon would look like. Mike, did you shave your head? I'm sorry. Totally unrelated. Oh, okay. I thought you shaved your head. Uh, sorry. Total aside. Um, 
Of course, we see a video and everybody else is hearing an audio. Um, yeah, so you, there's this remnant of what can only be best described as the skeletal remains of what you suspect to be a dragon. You can't see the head. There doesn't seem to be any wings. There doesn't seem to be any legs. Just the spine and the rib cage. That's, like I said, the height of a horse. like seven feet tall. It's huge. No one is going to believe us if we tell, us, tell them this story. We have to bring back a souvenir. <clears throat> so I'm going to try to. I'm Osbert's going to try to find the smallest bone he can that uh, is obviously a fossil wait, wait, of some sort. Wait, wait, wait! Just a moment. How how old do you think this campsite is? I uh, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. Well, looks like it's could have been buried by the snow. Maybe who knows? Well, obviously, if someone had gone through all this trouble. I would think that they intend to come back. And we may make a very powerful enemy of someone that has gone through all this trouble. Osbert looks around. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no one there's no one that's laid claim to these lands. We're even beyond the where the Green John says he, he has any any sort of claim. And this this camp has been here probably since at least the last fall. I, I can't see how anyone could be breaking this ground. He stomps when in during the winter. So I, just, I, I reckon they're all dead, maybe killed by the nameless. Just give me just a minute before you before you do anything. Um, so I'd like to just kind of see if I can scout the areas that we maybe haven't walked around yet. See if I can find any any clues of like people have been by here recently. Um, you know, just uh, anything besides uh, what may have built up over uh, a season or two. You know. Yeah, so uh, roll a roll a secret survival test. It's a secret. Secret, secret. I got a secret. Okay, I rolled a 54 and my rating is 49. Ooh, nice. Um, you want to keep that? Sure. Well, um, <clears throat> you kind of move around the camp for you know a good half hour, so just trying to kind of uncover any semblance of people being here recently. Um, there, there's no food. Uh, the beds are gone. The personal trunks have been uh, are empty. Just the remnants of the camp. Just the remnants of the old fires and an old heavy cauldron over a over over an old fire pit that had been dug, latrines, old tents. They must have left in a hurry because they left behind the tents. That that you can certainly say from what you've seen. Well, from the looks of things, they have been gone long enough that uh, if anything were to go missing now, unless they caught us in the act. They wouldn't be able to pin it down on us. I just, you know, wanted to be sure. Sure. 
What you're saying is you don't think anyone's going to have you know, come ch- chasing after you with a bone to pick. No bones about it. <laughs> Killing me. Yes, it appears that this place has been where subjects won't just die. We shall tell the Green John that we slayed this dragon, as I motion towards the bones, and uh, saved his, his lands from certain demise. I'm sure that is going to be completely believable. Yes. Uh, A great story, nonetheless. Uh, far, far be it from me to uh, to jump in front of you, obviously. If, if that's what you choose, I just want to make sure that you realize it's very possible it was his people here at this camp earlier. Ah. Uh, right, then. Just, just to... Just a ridiculous yarn I, I spin. You know, you know how I do things. I, I can't help but flap my jaw. Well, no, it, it, it's fine. I, I just state it's very possible that his people were the ones that staffed this and then left for the winter, you know. Yes, and uh, perhaps after we've had a couple days to think about it or at least a night to think about it, you can think about presenting that bone to him to Marrow. Yes. <laughs> Adam, you're killing me. <laughs> so, do you want to take one of these bones? You want to try to? I'll try to take if if, if I can manage a, a small pocket-sized piece. Um, I will, but if it's if it's going to be something that's going to weigh me down, I'll leave it. Well, um, it looks like that all the small bones have likely been picked away, probably as souvenirs by whoever was here, these researchers. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are several heavy mallets here. You could easily break off a smaller rib bone, you know, about sure. the length of your leg. Um, so you take that and you pick it up and crack. And it's as hard as rock, almost. And you kind of give it a couple more kind of bashes and eventually the bone splits off and breaks and you have this this partially ossified partially on a petri- I think it's called ossified I don't know whatever happens to bones and it's embedded in rock um, fossilized fossilized yeah <laughs> um, it's not actually yeah you find this fossilized so when write fossilized bone on your character sheet has an encumbrance of dose oh too heavy I'll leave it you go yeah. through breaking this like <laughs> I've got <laughs> it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think too much. I think, I, yeah. You can Calvin, Calvin will take it. Calvin will take it. Calvin will take it. Interesting. That, yeah. That way, you know, as an apothecary, I can like grind down the bone and then, you know, as an in European fashion, consume it and then gain the powers of the creature, right? That's, that's right. How that works. That's right. Yeah, that's you can so, become, sounds. You become like Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you you take <laughs> the bone. Is there anything else you wish to do here at the campsite or the research site? While they're desecrating the grave, Keegan <laughs> is looking around to see if there's any supplies that could be useful that might have been left behind. Um, unfortunately, no. Same. Unless you wanted to take one of those tents, that would easily fit all of you. But you need a horse to carry it from here on out. 
Uh, so I'd be walking. No, you, no, no, no. You need you no. You you couldn't carry the tent on your own. It'd be put on the back of your horse. But it'd be oh. a tent suited for uh, six people. Uh, Keegan's gonna go ahead and take it then. Cool. So put a six-person tent on your character sheet. Okay. Do 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 do. Now you have. It's the only one you could find that was actually usable. The canvas is still oiled down. It's still fairly intact. Um, has big kind of center poles and spider webbing of supporting poles. But now you have some place to sleep at night. This is our intense journey. Yeah. yeah. Survival. If, if it's raining, we'll be bone dry. <laughs> yep. Oh, I mean, this was a great... You guys are really going for the Cade's going to disconnect in the middle of this game, aren't you, this time? <laughs> no bones uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's been great. Oh. I was called out. You were called out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, pick, you pick up from there and you complete your travel uh, to Dunmodra, or sorry, Stonehold as you know it as, and... The, the the small castle keep kind of looms on the horizon. You'd been here no more, you know, a couple week, two week, two and a half weeks ago or so. Um, and the words of the Green John and the others kind of come back to you as you were on your approach at night, as you were reminded of uh, what Tuck had said. He'd said the land, he said, the land is barren. And then you remember Finny, then you remember somebody else telling you there are no animals around Stonehold. And you remember the Green John saying, saying, Stonehold is haunted. And another voice that says, too much blood in the soil. You begin your slow approach towards Stonehold, and all of you need to make a challenging resolve test. See if you can withstand some stress. Because <laughs> As you're on your approach, you're like, yeah, there are no animals like in the woods here. And there's no owls and there's no sounds of night birds or <laughs> wolves or this is really strange. And the horses are a little nervous and wickering too. Um, it's almost like it all kind of hits at once. And you're like, oh, well, that's odd. Anybody succeed that test? Oh, somebody critically failed it. <laughs> yeah. Roll twenty, man. Jeez. So I, uh, I make I try to make a bad joke with my gallows humor, and it uh, falls rather flat, kind of apropos of what's been happening in the last two minutes. Oh man! Um, <laughs> it's like so, in uh, Darkest Dungeon, he makes a bad joke and it's like bling. Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> despair. <laughs> it affects everybody else. <laughs> the sound that makes whenever everybody, whenever you get the what is it called that you suffer from? The affliction, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like ghosts aren't real, and if they were, we they'd think we're all ugly anyway. And it's just like, what? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as this happens, those who failed um, suffer seven mental peril, um, and you gain three conflict. Um, as you could feel, you're getting a little nervous. You know, it's it's a little chilly at night, and you can feel the sweat beating oh, on your brow. Gosh. Poor, poor Osbert. Um, Osbert <laughs> suffers um, <laughs> 10 mental peril um, and <laughs> six conflict. Um, as he's looking a bit nervous, um, things aren't looking too good. 
Phineas turns toward all of you, and he's on the back of the horse with Calvin, we'll assume. And he says, uh, my, my, at night, that place looks downright ominous. Are we really going to Stonehold? He turns, kind of his voice wavering a bit as he turns to Osbert and Calvin. I mean, yes, that that is the ultimate goal. It's just a building. What's there to be afraid of? What's the worst uh, that could happen? He's just trying to rattle our bones. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, it... It is disturbing how little nature there is here, but I think through some hard work, we can potentially bring it back. Sure, you restore the land when the when it's broad daylight outside. Hmm. I don't know anything about animals, but this is downright queer. You all approach Stonehold and move among the ruins of the village that had been besieged not once but twice. Uh, and is vacant as you pass amid these these empty buildings. Um, one of the doors is, or one of the one of the window pane, not the window pane, but the window shutters is kind of rattling in the wind on your approach. Um, it is nightfall, and you're kind of going by torchlight at this point um, as you are approaching uh, Stonehold, <clears throat> and you can see uh, kind of. Along this crescent of rock is the very, very small castle keep of Stonehold, the one you would come to in some number of weeks before, where you had your fateful meeting with Phineas and with uh, Abigail. Um, <clears throat> and on your approach up the hill, looking toward this, I mean, this, this place is completely abandoned. All the village is abandoned. But as you approach Stonehold, you can see a single twinkling light coming from one of the windows. We'll take a quick break right now. We'll come back in 10 minutes. (laughs) So you see the lone, the single light flickering somewhere in the highest reaches of Stonehold on the third floor, we'll call it. You don't see any horses in the surrounding courtyard. You don't see any tracks in the mud or muck with what light you have. It's as dwindling and dying as the torch is almost to its nub. Nubbins. It's on the verge of extinguishing, in fact. Who has light? I think I do... Collinsworth begins to search through his packs. <laughs> shuffle, uh, shuffle, shuffle, yeah, shuffle. Yeah, I can, I can strike a new torch. Okay. Woof. The torch goes up smoldering and smoking off the other one. What do they call it when you light two cigarettes together? What's that called? I think it's fucking. Monkey fucking? I don't remember the name of it. But, um, yeah, so you touch torches together. You dock the torches. Um, okay, I think I've had a lot of dick jokes tonight, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Uh, so you touch two torches together and then a child is made. I'm just kidding. Um, another torch is lit and you throw the old one and it kind of hisses as you snuff it out in a muddy puddle of water as you're just outside the courtyard of, of Stonehold. Obviously, some of you are suffering from stress. 
to take that under account, particularly in a situation where there's uncertainty. Um, this would be a good time to maybe think about how you can utilize your floff to lead the role play, um, lead your role playing. But um, it's just, it's a it's a tense situation. Um, you remember back to the stories about Stonehold potentially being haunted. The land is barren, no animals, too much blood in the soil. You know this place that countless dead have died in Stonehold, uh, not only from generations prior, but also in the last 10 years when your own people were driven out, when the Grahlstetters were set to the spear by the Torqued Lords, by, by people like the Green John. Hell, for all you know, Green John could have been within those same ranks. Now there's just this old castle that predates even the Aerodane's um, venture into the north. What are you all going to do? Well, who do we believe might be up there? Do you think that Abigail would be so bold as to come back? Phineas shakes his head and says, I know. Could be another wanderer, but... I mean, it would be a bold move, Covington, but I don't think he'd play out. Only one way to find out. I hesitate to say this, but perhaps I should go ahead and take a look. I don't want to put mm. the rest... I wouldn't want to put the rest of you in danger. You're poppycock. I think we should just move on. To the dick? I can sneak up there, take a look, and, and be right back in the blink of an eye. My quietly. friend, Phineas says, placing his hand on your shoulder, and you feel a twinge of pain in your back from where you fell, and you're shaking. You're shaking like a cat. You're shaking like a kitten. Like, I'm sorry, he says, excuse me, I'm sorry. You're shaking like a newborn kitten. And you can see Osbert is clearly like his teeth chattering a bit from the cold. He's obviously pretty nervous, but being bold with his words on the last. Yeah. I should like to see who is holed up in possibly our future home. Maybe it was someone else who came up here because they thought we would be here. Or maybe it's someone who meant us ill because they thought we would be here. Either way, I'm curious. And I do not believe it is a good idea for you to go alone. I won't. I wouldn't confront anyone. I just take a look and see what's there, and head back if it's anything dangerous. Call you up if it's nothing. But if you would go with me, with me, he kind of breathes somewhat of a sigh of relief. I wouldn't say no, Egan. Phineas says, maybe I can uh, mind the horses, Phineas says. Um, I, we, we should, I mean, we should prob, it should probably be people that uh, are harder to see, right? Uh, pe people who are a little bit better towards, towards shadow, don't, don't you think that should go up there? So so less, you know, um, I think, uh, right? 
Trinius is looking at Kitty, and they're both, they look, both look a little scared out of their wits at this whole situation. You know the stories that the people told in Old Carlstead about this place. I didn't half believe it. But I don't know. Perhaps it's the night air. Maybe it's, maybe it's the long journey. Maybe it's the fact that we're near, that we're almost out of provisions. I don't know. But something about, I don't know. I just don't feel right about this. Dr. Uh, <laughs> James Coventry uh, is uh, beside himself. He's not saying anything. He's like, I, I, um, well, I, uh, mm. as he's stuttering even more than he normally is and trying to find his, his breath, he uh, simply gives up and shakes his head and moves his hand back and forth and shakes his head no. I mean, we, we, came, we came here through the night the last time we, we came to Stonehold, so... How how is how is it any different? I tell you, he seems he seems to be trying to convince himself more than anything. I tell you this: if we want to do this easily and quickly, then perhaps it is best if you go up there. But at least let me approach the the bottom with my bow in hand, and if you need if you come running, I'll at least have a chance at slowing something down if it's giving you chase. Well, sounds like a sound plan. If I, I mean, I am, I am quite, quite used to uh, not being seen when it comes to manners and such. Uh, you know, in the house, uh, my, my, uh, my kind is is usually the one you don't want to see until you want to see. Uh, so I, I might not be the worst at, at helping you to look. We'll go together then. So Keegan and Osbert will slink. Are you all going to at least go to the the entrance of Stonehold, and then Keegan and Osbert will slink up the stairs? Is that right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay at the bottom with my bow drawn. Do you have a self bow? I meant to ask you this. Uh, I have a hunting bow. So let's go ahead and update this to a self bow. Okay. Um, Gwen, uh, I think you have access to trappings. Go ahead and take a look at that and record the qualities. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, because it has the silent quality, which is after you attack, you can spend two AP to immediately try hiding again. That's right. um, yeah. So, go ahead and update it to the self post stats. So, um, Collinsworth begins to proceed forward with Osbert and Keegan. Uh, Calvin, any, any preparations you wish to make? Uh, I mean, Calvin, he doesn't want to go, but he's going to go because his friends are going. You know, so I mean, he's just going to try to be uh, kind of as light and quiet as he can be. Your approach towards Stonehold, leaving um, Dr. James Coventry and Phineas Gray with the horses, you all kind of proceed forward until you come to the door. Collinsworth readies his self bow. Calvin standing with his with the brother Redding, the brothers Redding, outside the door. And remember, to Stonehold, one of the doors has been torn off the, the hinges. The other door, kind of steeple-like looking doors, like you'd find in an old church. One is still partially open. Um, Osbert and Keegan kind of slink inside, um, and you come into obviously this very large entrance hall 
that's empty, devoid of any light. It's difficult to see in here, save for a few bands of starlight and moonlight coming through these very narrow windows from various floors. Do Osbert and Keegan, do you wish to kind of go through low light conditions? Do you want to do that or are you going to strike a torch? I am going to take my time um, kind of testing each footfall before I put new weight on it and mm-hmm. and move towards the light, the okay. twinkling light up in, in the uh, in the window we saw earlier. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to be taking it quite slow, but uh, I won't be lighting a torch. What about yourself, Keegan? Will you kind of follow in kind or uh, carve your own definitely. path? Keegan is at the point where um, it's almost like mimicry if someone was to actually be watching from the outside where he's almost doing the exact same movements that Osbert is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining uh, this, this picture of Shaggy and Scooby both creeping through the haunted house. I did, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> measuring each step closely. Yeah, like he's yeah. to the point where he's like, there's his footprint, and he like puts his foot down in the same fucking spot. Like, cause he's, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, fun fact unrelated to the game did you know the first psychological horror game was a Scooby Doo game on Super Nintendo? Hmm. Where they didn't have hit points, they got scared to death. And if you wandered too far away from the group or, or encounter scary things in closets, your care, they, they faint and you have to start the level. You have to start that part over, but it's I, the haunted house scenario. It's the first it's, I played it the other day. It's, it's incredible. Um, like, you know, I have the, uh, retro box. So, I have played that as well. Yeah. It's, it's, I didn't realize, I didn't know how the, I was like, what's this, what's this game about? I was like, Oh my gosh, I guess this has, this has uh sanity mechanics, which is strange. Anyway, total aside, um, so Osbert and Keegan are kind of mimic or Keegan's mimicking Osbert and Osbert, you're looking for the nearest light. Now, granted you're inside Stonehold. So you can't really see where the, the, the twinkling light was coming from the, but you know, where the, in the upper floor is like, you know, where it's at. It's in that same yeah, main chamber where you were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the two of you begin creeping through the darkness. Um, and and you're listening and watching. You're watching where you're moving. You're listening, and it's soundless. It's, it's like a dead echo in here. It's cold as a crypt. No fire has illuminated these halls in who knows how many months. Not years, but months at this point. Um, and you're moving amid the main kind of entrance way past the large, heavy tapestries of uh, Miles Standish, the old quartermaster of, um, of Stonehold. And you proceed up the stone stairwell. Um, and as you both are proceeding up, I need you both to make secret stealth tests. Okay. So I rolled a 64. My reading is a 60. You want to keep that? I'll keep it. Okay. What about yourself, Keegan? Mimicry. Pure, pure, pure mimicry. Almost, actually. I'm three points less than him. <laughs> Do you want to keep uh, that role as well? You know, I think I'm going to have to because we only have one left in the pool and we yeah. might need that. Where, so. Where's the pool, by the way? I meant to ask this. Top I'm right like, corner of the map. Oh, I was looking at the left, which has our pool, Dan's pool. Cool. I'll remove that. Also. Yeah, I'm, I moved it. <laughs> cool. Okay, so go ahead and switch the pool. That means I've now got five misfortune. You've got zero fortune. 
Um, just no, I didn't. I didn't use one. Oh, okay, you didn't. Okay, I said I'm not going to reroll. Okay, okay, cool. So um, the two of you are proceeding up the stairwell, and Collinsworth and Calvin, Super Redding brothers, you lose sight of them fairly quickly, but your eyes have adjusted to the darkness, and there are just these long, dark, impenetrable shadows where the shafts of light coming from outside through these very narrow windows don't seem to penetrate. I mean, in fact, it almost seems marvelous in the sense that whoever built this place did not build it to illuminate the place at dark. Like it just is this creepy old stone hole, like not even a castle. It's like a central building dungeon um, that rises three stories off the ground. This very cold blue gray stone, this old stone that has been hewn by hand in, in cyclopean in nature. Cause it's not the same size stone mortared together. In fact, you can imagine um, that <laughs> you can imagine somebody could easily probably climb the outside of this place if they had the wherewithal and if it wasn't so wet because the rock is so uh, is so irregularly shaped. Um, but the floors are made of this shifting limestone, uh, but the place is just decrepit and old and has seen not only just the test of time, but you can even looking toward where the door once stood, you can see the stresses of where a battering ram was set to the stone and its bits are broken here and there, lying on the ground half in the muck. This place has seen uh, a siege before. The exterior of the building is burned, uh, like it's been struck with burning oil or set fire set outside its doors. In fact, the only standing door here is old heavy oak door is half scorched. And it doesn't look like it's going to fall off. These doors are super sturdy, but they clearly, whoever had besieged this place, shattered the door with, uh, with the, with a, um, with a battering ram. Cause actually not far from here, you can see this huge tree trunk lying in the muck. Uh, that has these big spikes driven through it, but whatever is used to drive it forward, the people who pick it up are not there, obviously. There's no vehicle for it to drive toward either, but you imagine 10 people on each side can easily take that thing, pick it up, and try to break through the doors. This must be the besiegers. Um, um, what do they call that thing? I'm sorry. Engine of destruction. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> battering the war- ram? Battering ram. Gosh, what is wrong with me? Yeah, the battering ram is actually still half buried in muck and water um, in the yard surrounding this place. So, Cowan and Collinsworth, that's kind of what you're seeing. And Osbert and Keegan, as you come up the stairs, and you're moving very, very slowly and methodically, and you come to the same chambers you had slept in with Abigail no more than a month ago. <clears throat> and the door is partially open, and you could see, you can't see inside the room, but you can see between the crescent where the door almost meets the threshold. You can see this thin crescent of flickering light as of light is coming from inside the chamber. I'm going to eavesdrop for just a few moments to see if anyone's talking or what's going on. See if I, what I can gather. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll an eavesdrop test. This test uh, will be um, easy. Can I assist? How will you assist an eavesdrop when somebody's personally listening? Um... That's true. I, well, I was thinking potentially it could be that um, I stop moving completely, hold my breath, make sure that I'm not making any additional noise. Yeah, so you can do that. Separate. That's great. Yeah, that works. That works. So, Osbert, you get two assist dice, which Keegan's going to roll now. Serve the servant. 
<laughs> you don't need them. <laughs> you could have rolled a one. Yeah, could have. Nice. So, Osbert, you're listening in, and Keegan holds his breath, stops shuffling his feet. You wait kind of in the darkness, listening in, hoping to hear something, a stirring, a snoring, a ruffling of cloth, wind, and it's dead silent inside. The only thing you can hear, Osbert, is your own heartbeat in your ears. That's how utterly quiet is in here. Not even white noise seems to penetrate this place. It's just dead. It's still as a crypt. Flickering of a fire or anything? Or just like a, a cold light? Just, the, just, that, just that light that you'd seen beyond the door that must be coming from whatever light was inside here. You can't, even, you can't hear it. It must be a candle, you would guess? I turn to Keegan and, and make a twirling motion with my finger and point back to where we came from and start motioning her to or motioning him to move down the hall. You're moving and like Keegan goes okay. and nods and does <laughs> the same fucking okay. hand motion. Okay. <clears throat> so the two of you kind of proceed away where you're at least far enough away to talk silently. I think we should get the others. Something is afoot. Something. Something. Supernatural. Something amiss. Yes, amiss. The two of you come down the stairs and they seem to move at a pretty quick and steady pace. And um, maybe Osbert's are about the size, eyes are about the size of tea saucers at this point at the suggestion. He says he tells the, the Redding brothers what? There's something in the chamber up there as I motion towards the light. Something very, very quiet. Not a peep, not a snore, not a rustle of cloth. That's mm. odd. So I, I didn't dare to breach the threshold. Fearing for my life. I just, I got an odd feeling about it. I didn't want to be up there alone anymore. You, you weren't alone, but I... I, I mean, with just the two of us, I, I, I think mm. if, 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 we ha- if we have to investigate, it, it's, it's best if it's, if it's at least the four of us, right? Keegan nods emphatically. <laughs> <laughs> what are you... Did, did, did you see the same thing? Uh, yes. So are you saying that we should go back up or that we should tally-ho and carry onward somewhere else? When Keegan starts getting asked questions, he almost looks like a deer in the headlights is kind of the look that he gives at that point. And he, <laughs> without, without, without saying a word, Collinsworth just pivots to where he's facing Osbert. <laughs> And Osbert Keegan breathes kind of, a sigh and leaves. Did you move your character in an MMO where just kind of like they yeah. pivot in place, like their feet stand in place? You're like, yeah. <laughs> Osbert kind of scratches his, uh, uh, you know, several day old beard with a look of worry on his face and shakes his head. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, 
Maybe we wait till morning. I mean, it, it, we this is supposed to be our our stonehold, our our claim. He kind of gives a hollow sense of self bravado, but doesn't seem to ring true with you. If, um, what do if, you think? If we're going to be staying here, I want to be warm. <sighs> I don't want tempt- to. It is quite tempting, isn't it? I don't want to put all the hard work into keeping your blood moving. I think there's trouble about, and I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Oh, Lord. Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) If I go back up there, I need you all with me. It's not going to be just the two of us. I need buy-in from everyone before we go. All right. Fine. He nods emphatically. <laughs> this is the point go. where I queue up Phil Collins. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I think uh, if I was to play... And we're all just waiting for the drums to drop in the air tonight. That's right. Yeah, it's the it's the start of. Um, I mean, and then we all we all get it wrong. We're, we all think we all jump too soon. Like, no, no, it's not yet. It's, there's mm-hmm. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No kidding. Um, Phil Collins is like catnip for white people. It, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. So. Here's here's oh here's God. here's what happens. So you start to move up the the stairwell. Did you hear that? Just coincidentally, I didn't know if it actually piped through or not. Barely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you start to move into um into Stunhold. And do you want to sneak your way up, all of you? So I think we can pretty much assume Keegan and Osberg can keep their roles, but for the Super Col- the Super Redding brothers, uh, Calvin and Collinsworth, I need you both to make a secret stealth test um, as um, we prepare for... Um, let's see what happens. You're muted, bud. I rolled an 82 out of 48 for my secret stealth roll. <laughs> I, rolled, I rolled a 21 out of 42. Do you want to keep that roll, Calvin? I think I have to. Didn't we spend all this stuff? No, we have one. You have one left. Yeah, no. Okay. So you all begin creeping up through the um, through the the Stonehold, and you're following kind of Osbert and Keegan as Keegan is mimicking Osbert, kind of creeping, and you're moving between these kind of pale silver shafts of light coming from outside, coming from the moon. The moon is so large tonight that its pale rays, the mirror, I should say, are kind of passing through these narrow arrow slits in the place with these very 
strange shafts of light. And as you pass between each, you can feel the cold breeze coming from outside. You can feel the cold breeze with the cold air, the atmosphere coming from outside. You could feel it coming into the air tonight. Uh, You've been waiting for this moment. Well, just tonight. Um, So you come up the stairs and eventually Osbert and Keegan take you back to the same chamber you were at before. And as you look along this kind of long kind of, kind of um, stretch of a hallway uh, that's open to one side down below into the, into the mouth of Stonehold overlooking the main chamber um, and to the left of you is where the door was. Um, you can see this very thin crescent of light right between where the door and the threshold kind of are about four inches apart. And there's a flickering light coming from inside a very, very small light. You, you would guess a candlelight. You sniff the air. You don't smell a fire. So nothing's been burning in here. And the place is silent as a crypt. Osbert and Keegan hold their breath. Sorry, Osbert and Keegan hold their breath and you do the same. And it is dead silent in there. Um, and Calvin, this is the point where you start to break down a little bit. Um, uncertain of what's going to happen. This is from your failed stealth test. Um, you you gain uh, suffered seven mental peril due to anxiety. Um, the, the, the your heart's beating a little bit. You're not stressed out by any means, but um, you're kind of feeling like that whoever's inside probably heard everyone because you realize that you were scraping your boot the entire time um, <clears throat> on accident. You just had a piece of gravel stuck in the mud, a m- mud and a piece of gravel stuck in your boot. Um, and you couldn't quite like limp it off. You couldn't like pick, have enough time to pick it out. Like you, you discover it halfway through. So you're feeling a little like they definitely know you're there. You look toward Collinsworth and Collinsworth, you immediately into it. This you and Calvin have a, an understanding as brothers would. Phineas is not there. He's with the horses. Of course, Dr. James Coventry is not there either. He's with Phineas as Phineas was clearly a little scared and, Coventry was staying back with the horses too, just in general. So it's just the it's just the the the, the four of you. Osbert holds up his hand and then points towards the door. Holds up three fingers, two, one, and then up ten f- fingers suddenly, as if to motion. We're going to run in and surprise him on the count of three. And then he counts down to three. I, while he's doing that, I'm like, put my hand on the knife. Yeah. yeah I, ready my, I ready my weapon and, and prepare to charge into the room. <laughs> and with that, you burst into the room. The door swings wide open. You look across the way and you could see the same bed where you had taken the sheets off and rested less than a month ago. You can see that the armoire uh, is open and there are still kind of cloaks inside of it and such, um, ones you didn't take away. And you look toward where this a single kind of rounded door would open up onto an overlooking porch over the over the um, courtyard, the same place, Calvin, where you had previously seen Phineas and Tuck and thought them the enemy. Like you could see right there, the door is closed. 
but there is a there's a candle resting on a table right in front of it that's been burning it looks like for most of the night it's growing dim like this has been sitting here for quite some time maybe several hours um and it's just cold in here there's no fire in the hearth you look toward the ashes must be the same ashes you had stoked once again a month ago the place looks the same as you've seen it before save for this burning candle What do you all do? Osbert is shakes his head and all of a sudden starts yelling. Whoever whoever is playing such a stupid joke, show yourself. You all scan the room. Everyone make awareness tests. This test is routine. I failed. It looks like the Redding brothers. I made it. Yeah, the Redding brothers are the only one who see it. So, Collinsworth and Calvin, you're scanning the room, and you can see in the corner, in the farthest corner of the room in the dark, there is this heavy tapestry that's made of brocade and golden thread. And this deep, deep vermilion tapestry. And it's standing straight up like it's been thrown over somebody about four feet high, standing perfectly still in the corner. Like they're facing the corner, they're back to you underneath this huge tapestry. Or maybe it's a cloak. Maybe it's a dress. You're not sure, but whoever this figure is, it's much, much smaller than what the tap, than what the cloak had intended. Thrown completely over the head of this thing, and it drapes the ground. And it, the person inside of it, their back is bent as if they're facing the corner, the shadows. Hmm. Only, oh, the, only <laughs> two of you see this. Yeah. Um, Osbert and Keegan are still kind of looking around as Osbert's screaming out. Show yourself. Wait, wait a minute. Osbert. We know turns who, to Collinsworth. We, we, know, we know where you are. And if you'd come out peaceably. Is that the right word? Peaceably? Uh, yes, if you come out peacefully, um, you won't be harmed. I mean, this place was empty. It's understandable. Osbert takes this moment, hopefully that Collinsworth was disarming this person mentally, to tackle the tapestry. And uh, since I, the person never, is, is never pointed out where it was. Oh, okay. That's right. Okay. So if I don't know where it is, I'll 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 stand there and yeah. The the figure at this demand. Go ahead and make a um. Make a uh, intimidate test, Collinsworth. I'm this also going to keep be... my eyes out elsewhere, just okay. in case there's multiples. Yeah, it's a trivial test for you, Collinsworth. 
Hey, here we go. Success. Nice. You, you, you call out to the figure, and then that's when you see it, Osbert. That's when you see it, Keegan. This about four-foot-tall figure underneath this old, it's clearly a blanket from the bed. You look toward the bed, and you realize that the musty bed cover is gone. It's covered in this like caked up dust and such. The figure underneath it kind of turns about with the bottom of the, the cover still draping across and pooling across the ground. Um, like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like it's oversized. And the figure turns toward all of you. But the tapestry, but the, 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 bed, the bed cover is not removed. The figure simply moves. You can see kind of turning toward all of you. And you can see the rough features of a face underneath of it. Now that's better, isn't it? You can see that the person underneath the bed cover is breathing. And you can hear her shallow breaths. As you can see the the bed sheet moving or the bed cover moving up and down with each breath that she takes. There's no reason to be frightened. Osbert takes a step back. He's my name's Collinsworth. What's your what's your name? The figure underneath the bed cover says nothing. The, they, they, she doesn't shift at all. You don't see her arms raise or any of their motions. Just she's standing very still with her little bitty frame, come. little bitty shoulders. Come now. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Come on out now from under there. Alvin asks, but the she does not move. She's standing in the corner. Her back is to the corner. Her back is to the wall. She looks like pivoted, kind of in place. How cold is it in here? Well, um, Keegan turns toward you, and you can feel Keegan's breath on you, and you can also see it in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh. I mean, you, you all kind of, sh- you shiver at the thought because it is not that cold outside, but it isn't here. You know, it's, it's actually kind of warmer outside, but we can light a fire in here to warm it up. There is a no movement from, from the girl underneath the bed sheet. You realize okay, you've got about five minutes of your torch left at this point. I tell you what. If you have a problem with us lighting a fire in here, move, do anything. If you're okay with us lighting a fire in here, just stay there. Stay still. The figure does not move. She stays in place. All right, well, um, I suppose I'll get the fire started. Uh, Just keep an eye on her, right? Finally feeling like he has something to contribute, Keegan runs around the room trying to gather up things to build the fire. Yeah, so you find a few kind of, you, you're trying to find firewood, but there's none here um, at all. You have no cords of wood. You, you remember that the cords of wood that were here were brought here by Abigail. 
And this actually kind of corroborates Calvin's thought around her having a horse because how the hell could she have gotten firewood up here? It's been snowing all winter and there's no trees around Stonehold. There's only ash in the hearth. So Keegan's trying to find furniture pieces since this has been like a abandoned and derelict place. He's assuming that he can find like some wood oh, legs yeah. and things like that to use for firewood. Yeah. Maybe look for like um, an electric fire. You know, that way it's cordless. I don't know. That went wrong. <laughs> I feel like you guys are just like tripling your effort now that it's been mentioned. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Stretch. Yeah, stretching too fucking much. You're going to hurt yourselves. We're not kids anymore. We're not in our 20s. <laughs> Jeez. So what are you all going to do? Uh, you try to build the fire and you put the you put the cords of wood, the remnants of furniture inside the hearth as the figure remains unmoving and the candle is still burning. Um, and try as you might, Keegan, your striker will simply not ignite the wood. Um, the wood, maybe it's wet. Maybe you're just having bad luck. Maybe there's not enough stuff to get it started with, even though you've got cloth stuff underneath of it. It doesn't seem to burn. It doesn't seem to smolders and goes out. I'll uh, slowly walk over there and then use the torch that's already got some flame to to uh, light that wood. Yeah. You drop the torch inside there, which is still burning, and the torch now is softly smoldering underneath of it and the wood is kind of smoking as you'd imagine wet wood would do but the wood is not wet um, and after a few minutes the torch snuffs out just hisses and a gray smoke leaving only the dim light of the candle in here so Keegan just slowly stands up away from the hearth and he kind of turns and looks at the corner where the figure is and then quickly shifts his eyes over to the, the rest of his party and he goes, uh, uh, um, I don't know what's what's happening, but this won't light. Uh, uh, well, I mean, the torch was almost out. No, it's uh, not. I, I don't. <laughs> I've, uh, I've lit many a half. Uh, that that is um and he like darts his eyes back over at the corner the figure in the corner. I I, I don't I don't think it was the source of flame that might have been the problem. Uh I'll take out another torch and light the torch off of the candle. You place the torch um near the candle, and as you do so you hear this slamming sound as the door shuts and you hear a latch thrown from the inside the latch inside the door throws as you bring the torch near the candle the candle immediately snuffs out and your eyes take a moment to adjust to the darkness and that's when you see something happen as the as the bedsheet drops to the ground and then the torch is lit and the girl is gone leaving only the bed sheet behind 
Then you hear this rattling sound, this coming from outside the door. Like the door is being, somebody's trying to open the door as it's latched from within this huge, heavy oaken door inside here, clearly meant to keep whoever's inside here safe from harm. The door is just kind of rattling inside of its threshold. Like somebody's trying to get inside, hammering and moving, like somebody's got a hold of the rung outside. It's kind of moving it, jostling it back and forth. Uh, Calvin's going to go try to open the door. You come to the door and you grab the latch and you throw it and you open the door with ease. And as you swing the door outward, because it doesn't clearly doesn't go inward and put the hinges on the outside. As you open the door outward, the hall is empty. And at this point you all need to make arduous resolve test to withstand terror. The moon is full. Were the stories true? We'll see. So everybody roll your dice, please. Yikes, I'm looking at your rolls here. I don't think anyone made it, did they? We got one more to roll. Oh, critical Critical success. success. (laughs) So that's that's good. Um, Obviously, um, anytime you critically succeed a resolve test to withstand horror, um, you, you may impart... Um, your success upon another, your comfort upon another. Who are you? Who will you comfort in this time? My bro. Yeah. And I'm feeling lucky today. Yeah. <laughs> other uh, people are. Everyone else, however, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I've succeeded a single role today. No. Everybody else suffers 23 mental peril. And gains nine conflict at this point. Oof. So how does Osbert and Keegan look at this point? Uh, Osbert is white as a sheet. He's incapacitated. Um, so <laughs> he, I mean, obviously he has probably hasn't fainted, but uh, he, he's going to be failing pretty much everything at this point. So because you reach incapacitated, that's another six conflict. What was the what was the conflict you said? Uh, nine. nine, and because you are now incapacitated, you would immediately suffer a traumatic break, Osbert. So here are your choices: Will your character fawn? Will they fight? Will they take flight, or will they freeze? I think freeze it makes sense. There's nowhere to run except out where all the danger is. Um, and there doesn't seem to be anything to fawn to. So yeah, freeze. Okay. All right. So at, at the point where you freeze up, um, you, 
what here's basically what that means. So when you freeze, you or you're withdrawn, attempt to avoid people. You struggle to make decisions, preferring inaction and avoidance, which is maybe mistaken for laziness or boredom. Um, the effect is that you can res- flip the results to succeed all defend tests until you escape the source of horror. Uh, however, you suffer 2d10 plus 2 mental peril and gain 3 conflict every time you take advantage of the benefit. <laughs> so you see Osbert just freeze up. Tell, tell us what happens. Like, Explain to us what we're seeing. So he, let's see here. Calvin opens the door and it seems like he was, Osbert was about to say something like to call out to whoever was behind the door. Maybe he thought it was the doctor or Phineas like running from some sort of terror in the darkness or something like he was about to open his mouth to say something, but then the door swings open and it just like his mouth just kind of stays open and like a, a, a silent scream of terror. And, uh, he just stands there and doesn't move. What's happening with Keegan at this point? Like what? What do we um, see? What happens to Sweets? What's happening with him? So I'm at ignore three skill ranks, so I'm not quite passed out. So that's they're incapacitated. So that's nice. So um, at this point, I'm just going off of pretty much what his um, what his flaw is, which is apprehension. So he is absolutely frozen in place. Um, like as the door opens, he he completely pales out um all the blood leaves his face um he typically has like tan skin and at this point it actually just looks ghastly you know um and he just stares in awe at the door as osbert is over there freaking out he doesn't even like move his eyes towards him or anything like he he has no idea what to do and just stairs pupils dilated at the door what's happening with calvin and collinsworth at this uh so collinsworth did light the torch but the candle went out and the door slammed right mm-hmm. so there's at least something to see by right Do yeah. I remember okay yeah um wait Did you hear someone running away from that door? Hmm. Maybe we can have Hobbs pick up a scent. As I nudge towards the uh, now dropped uh, covers. Oh, yes. uh, uh, Here, hold this. I'll hold it, yes. You may want to check on Clumsy. Hobbs. Hobbs. As I start motioning towards the blanket. Okay. So um, Hobbs sniffs at the blanket, um, and the 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 and and the bear kind of snorts, and you can see its breath in the air. Like it's, I mean, the bear has hot breath, but it's it's really cold in here. Like it's, you can feel your teeth chattering. Your fingertips are getting cold. It feels like the dead of winter in here. You can all see your breath inside this room. And Hobbs clearly picks up a scent and begins loping out of the chamber. 
as the the bear is 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 now bolting down through the halls and leaves the room. Um, uh, what what are you all going to do? I'm gonna start following it. I'm gonna like yell at clumsy, like clumsy, clumsy. If he doesn't pay any attention, I'm gonna like slightly like smack his cheek, like not like really smack, but just like the tap tap tap. Don't leave me! Don't leave me alone! I'll go with you. We're not leaving you alone. We're, we're, but you got to snap out of it. The Hobbs has got, got ghosts in these halls. We need to get out of here. Maybe, but uh, right now Hobbs has got a scent. So uh, perhaps we uh, follow that for right now. Come on okay. now. Let's 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 just let's get out of here. Yes. And I'll try to get um, Sweets' attention as well. And uh, Keegan, now that like the, it seems like people have been moving again, he's like, "Oh, uh, I, I, you know, the the fire, the hearth." And he he like walks over to the hearth at this point, and he's got like his flint. He's like, "Yeah, uh, yes, fire. It, it's it's quite cold." And he he starts like trying to flick the flint at the, you know, pile that he's built up in the hearth and, and is trying to light the fire completely not cognizant of what's going on around him. <laughs> okay. So, um, following behind Hobbs at this point, you all head down through the chamber back out the door where Phineas and um, Dr. Coven and Dr. James quickly follow behind you, realizing something is amiss as the young brown bear lopes through, through Stonehold and stops coming to sliding almost across the, the wetness in the, in the courtyard. And and begins bolting toward the, wilderness surrounding Stonehold and begin as, and, and as you all leave the castle um, the, the young the young bear um, kind of begins moving to a slow crawl sniffing at the ground for a moment um, Hobbs stops and sniffs toward the ground sniffs toward the air and rubs its muzzle against Collinsworth bend down and pet well don't don't have to bend down um yeah. i start petting collinsworth i mean i start petting hobbs are you heavy petting <laughs> you pet yourself that's, 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 that's time that's for times when i'm alone as we uh, tell our four-year-old son if you're going to touch yourself do it in your room um <laughs> so you 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 lean down i would say lean down you reach out your hand to to hobbs and hobbs snorts and then begins bounding off once again at top speed and you all find it difficult to stay to keep up with Hobbs as he's moving through these hills about 10 minutes outside of Stonehold and that's when you when you kind of come to um, this mound the best way to describe it um, that's covered in light growth of grass, but it's mostly just this mound of earth um, 
that's maybe eight feet in circumference. And Calvin, as you're looking at this mound, you can see little bones sticking out of the mound of earth. Like people were buried in a very shallow grave. Osbert just shakes his head. He's just shaking his head. No, no, no. It's completely dark out here, save for the moonlight, which is completely full. Um, the mirror in its pale, silvery white glory um, is casting this pallor over the landscape, the silvery kind of light intermingled with the darkness of the vault of night. And Calvin, you lean down and you can see all these little bones that have been half buried in the earth. A very shallow grave. Good boy, Hobbs. What is Keegan doing? Um, absolutely exactly what everyone else is doing. Like he is just staring at other people and copying their movements at this point because he has no idea what's going on or what to think. Um, well, probably isn't observing either. So he probably hasn't even noticed the mound thing that Hobbs is looking at. <laughs> He's just there. <laughs> it does seem that some sort of terrible things have occurred here. If, uh, if there are shallow graves like this. Osbert, your eyes turn back towards Stonehold and that same flickering light is back. It's back is, in the window. The veil is too thin tonight. We need to leave these haunted grounds. Maybe we'll return tomorrow or maybe not. Let's let's get away from Stonehold. Hmm. I can agree with that. No argument here. You all retreat away from Stonehold, leaving the shallow grave with the tiny bones inside that were half buried in the earth, um, keeping far away from the castle keep. And I think we're going to pull the curtain closed on this game session, session five, um, and we will stop for the night, I think. Um, so uh, we played for three hours, so 75 reward points for that. Um We'll go ahead and roll our conflict roll here real quick. Result for tonight is six. So mark mark whatever may happen. Let's 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 have a uh, let's have a post session. Let's talk about what happened post game. Like um, like where where's your character at at this point, Calvin? Like what 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 happened in the story? What what what's what's he thinking? What's going in through his head? How has the story tonight maybe changed how they felt? Is he reflecting on it? Like, what do you, what, what's your kind of read on tonight? I mean, so Calvin, I mean, really came into this, you know, with, with high hopes. I mean, uh, he was largely coming in here just to kind of follow his brother, but also because he thought, like, okay, you know, maybe there is some, like, good we can bring to this place. And, you know, with that positive attitude, it's kind of being – I think whittled it down slowly. So thankfully he's, he's sticking to his guns. I think that kind of what that critical success shows. Um, and so um, like, he's still going to believe that we can do this. It's just he, he, the, the reality of the difficulty is definitely like dawning on him. Like this is not going to be as easy as he thought. 
What about Collinsworth? Like, what's what's going on with him? Uh, Collinsworth is trying to still hold on to like that sense of adventure, which is quickly fleeting. Um, but you know, when those things start to uh, go away, sometimes you can try and force it a bit much so that it fits within the narrative you're trying to keep. Um, so he's really trying to uh, keep the mood up, keep uh, like everyone essentially going and not, not get too, too serious. Um, and so when other people may have some concerns or something like that, he uh, is dismissing them at the moment. But I think after tonight, <laughs> things may start to change for him. <laughs> uh, so, what about um, what about Keegan? Um, tend to think for a background that Keegan's not really a religious person, philosophical person in any way, shape, or form. Um, he believes in what he sees. He believes in what he does, and that's kind of his whole mo, if you will. Um, you know, if, if there is a religion or whatever that he would claim to, it's only because somebody told him to, like his family did or whatever. I, like he's never really thought in depth about those kinds of things. So when something can't be explained away very easily, I, I think it just um, breaks him to a certain extent. Uh, and the only comfort he knows is to just keep working. So mm -hmm. when there's not something to be done, he doesn't know what to do with himself it's like one of those things where idle hands the devil's play things like yeah you know, does, does keegan find like some sort of maybe like solace and um or in in normalcy like in in in, in ritual routine. and rote yeah routine yeah. yeah absolutely he does and i i think like he's the type of person that you know if it was this day and age or whatever um, when he retired at like 65 70 whatever he, he would have a part-time job just because he can't <laughs> like he, he can't He's a Walmart reader. He, <laughs> is. he drives. He drives a school he's, bus. <laughs> well, if we're if we're gonna go personal, he's my dad that got a job at Home Depot. Like yeah. he's doing part time. Like he's he's that guy. He wouldn't know what to do with himself if he didn't mm -hmm. have his work. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's what he is, and he doesn't have that thought process, higher thought process as of yet <laughs> on anything yeah. else. So, so um, I think last but not least, let's let's come to Nick's character, Osbert. Like where with what happened tonight like where where is osbert at so with at the beginning of the journey um this leg of the journey we were all very you know kind of hopeful about what was happening we we're heading towards um a place that we're familiar with we'd been there before uh we were better equipped than we were before we had horses we had provisions and the journey just it, it just didn't go the way we planned. Uh, no, none of us seemed to be having a good day. Um, uh, actually, a couple days. Um, and, and just everything seemed to be going wrong. And then the, the strange occurrences up in the spooky third floor occurred. And, uh, and now, uh, you know, Osbert is, is really questioning 
what the hell is he doing up here? He's he's surrounded by death. There's all those horses that died. There was Franklin. Uh, there was the Nameless, and it's Stag. Um, and it just seems to be that everywhere he turns, there's just more death. And now they they step, you know, not ten minutes outside of Stonehold, and there's a shallow grave that wasn't there, you know, just a few but a few days before so it's it seems that wherever osbert is, is treads death has come before him and uh perhaps he's going to catch up hmm. interesting yeah um well let's uh let's go and conclude the game that's 50 reward points in addition for everybody um we will clearly continue next week to see um what happens the following day, what choices you decide to make. Um, now, knowing that the stories clearly are true about Stonehold, that the place um, clearly is haunted, um, that there's too much blood in the soil, as I say, especially finding that shallow grave of that little girl um, who wasn't clearly not buried correctly, um, who you'd seen inside the uh, main chamber. Um, we'll see what happens next week. Um, so uh, I hope everybody had fun we'll, uh, we'll resume again for game session 6 um, game took a little bit of a different turn today but once again mm-hmm. no planning uh, no prescriptive story completely off the cuff based on your choices based on the stories we've shared based on kind of what's happening in the game um, we're probably going to cross a lot of different genres and themes I think in this story because of that um, horror being a part of that of course um, it's one thing to say, yeah, the, the, the land is barren. There's no animals. There's too much blood in the soil. Stone holds on another, th- but you have to deliver on that as a storyteller. Um, I hope this kind of did tonight. We'll see if you're able to resolve that, if you're able to do something about it. Um, I'm a big believer in the way the Witcher structures quests. So I think there's something to be said there. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll return next week for Desolation Point. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you for your patronage. Um, please pledge. Uh, we're doing this as a free Patreon-only podcast at podcast.zwihinder.game, um, where Groom Parallel Studios joins me every Wednesday to play our new kind of mini game. Now we're five sessions in. We'll continue for the foreseeable future. So um, please pledge. Pledge what you can. Um, you know, these, these fine folk who, who you can't see, but you heard tonight work really hard to maintain the Patreon, produce Mike's uh, Mechanics Mondays, do the Monster of the Month, uh, release Radiator, release other shows, release other content. Um, so throw them a few bucks. Um, helps pay for food rations, pop, coffee. Um, nobody really makes money off this. It's really just about paying for <laughs> rations, <laughs> as we call it. But um, we'll see you all next week, or you'll hear us at least. So see you next week. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.